I swear that there, that's, that seems to be the case, is just last month they released that Toho Monopoly game. Oh, what? Yeah, Toho Monopoly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they, it's a Toho board game. I don't know. I don't think it's called Toho Monopoly, <laughs> but I'm sure it would be game worst. <laughs> <laughs> Tohoopoly. What would the currency be in Tohoopoly? Oh no! Don't go there, please. <laughs> it's, it's bad. No, I mean, like, what would they use to, you know, what would you use to buy? I don't know power ups or they don't. I guess you don't have power ups in a Toho. There's a Toho you? racing game where the girls ride other girls. This is the area you are uh, going into. This is true. I, I better tread lightly. Yep. Otherwise, you'll start going into my 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 fandom game for Toho incessant pudding. Shoot the core cast. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the Arf Generation Shmup Club. This is a family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that can't decide whether to go up or go right. I am Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and with me as always, we have... Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And if you'd like to connect with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at ShootCoreCast. You can also follow me directly at Game Boy Guru. You can find all of our podcast links by going to our Linktree page. That is linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast and find all the different feeds where you can find our podcasts to listen to. You can also join rfgeneration.com and join in a Shmup Club playthrough. If you would also please subscribe, rate, review, follow, like, whatever the case might be on your preferred podcast platform. Also join the RF Generation Discord channel, which is linked from the front page of rfgeneration.com. Check out the dedicated Shoot the Corecast topic there, where we can discuss the latest episode, past episodes, the Shmup Club Game of the Month, or just shooting games in general. And also follow me on Twitch to get notifications of new streams. I do stream the Shmup of the Month multiple times throughout the month, generally during the week. Uh, that is twitch.tv slash guru gameboy. Yeah, and don't forget about the ARF Generation website with the database on there. I, I, again, I can't tell you how many times I've bought Deep Space Waifu only to realize I already had a copy, so I, I gotta get the app reinstalled on my phone and double check it so make sure I, I don't buy that 17th copy of Deep Space Waifu. It's just embarrassing. I would think that your Steam library would uh, notify you that you already have it. Well, then I can be like Mark and spread the love. Deep Space Waifu's for everybody. <laughs> uh, you'd be like the Oprah of shoot 'em ups You get a Deep Space Waifu, and you get a Deep Space Waifu. Everybody gets a Deep Space Waifu. You just reminded me of uh, the uh, 
<clears throat> we could just plug in Mark there in, in Monkey Island if anyone's ever played the original one. Or the guy's got a t-shirt says, Ask Me About Loom. I, 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 I should, <laughs> we should get a t-shirt from Mark that says, Ask Me About Crimson Clover. <laughs> there you go. That would be perfect. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, let's see. Oh, and the site has recently gone through some updates. Uh, so there's a little bit of... of uh, there are still a few kinks to work out, still a few uh, error messages and things like that. But uh, many thanks to Bickman2k for his hard work on maintaining the site and for the updates that he's been doing and trying to get everything working. Thank you very much for your hard work. Uh, before we jump into things too much, uh, we'll just briefly go over the question of the month here. Uh, I threw this out on Twitter uh, yesterday, I think it was. And uh, so the question I asked was to think of a game in any genre that you feel improved with Western localization. What game did you choose and why? And unfortunately, we only had a small handful of answers. I don't know if it's because I timed it wrong or uh, did people didn't think the question was interesting. But whatever the case is, we did get a few. So at Fireshark MD who is also Corkman on the site here, says, Phalanx, and yes, because of the old guy with a banjo on the box art. Yeah, one of these days we need to try that out. There, And if we don't have dueling banjos in there, I'm going to be disappointed. That's probably the background music. <laughs> Uh, yes, an hour and a half podcast of nothing but dueling banjos on repeat and us talking like cranky old men about phalanx. <laughs> I'm sure somebody would listen. Well, yeah, it'd be uh, dueling banjos as the background music and, and our uh, best slash worst impressions of Statler and Waldorf talking about phalanx. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next comment comes to us from at Rybones. Improved, pass. Yeah, you know, I, I, I had a hard time thinking, but then I thought of one perfect answer. It's going to be a bit cliche, but I think everyone will like it. Okay. Uh, at Moji Love says, "I've never played it, but judging solely on some of these item descriptions, Final Fantasy XIV. The original text just has some sort of generic equipment for." the use in XYZ project or whatever, but the English text really tickles me. And Moji Love included a NFT. an example. It's an NFT. Put an NFT in there. What the heck? <laughs> it says grade four artisanal skybuilders astroscope, which is a, a telescope of sorts, uh, at least by the picture. And the description said such devices are often found pointing in the direction of the open air baths which is in keeping with the letter, rather than the spirit, of its intended purpose, that being the observation of heavenly bodies. Clever. Yeah. We could go several places with this, but this is family-friendly, so therefore we shall abstain. Yes, we will leave that up to your imagination. Yeah. NFTs, man. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Our next comment comes to us from Aunt Pony Tassigen. Joke answer, Biometal. Oh my gosh, that soundtrack. I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but it's downright funny. 
Real answer, yeah, I gotta go with Phalanx. Nothing beats Banjo Guy. <laughs> you know, that's, that's something we should maybe add a joke shmup in there. Someone should put the Banjo Guy as a as a extra character or a DLC character. In. Although I think there isn't there actually a... Um, I swear there's a game with Banjo Guy Ollie in it as a <laughs> DLC or, or a hidden character. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe he's maybe he's related to Banjo Guy Ollie. <laughs> that could tragic be. backstory. He went. He couldn't find a spot for his banjo. No one could listen to him in space shops. Just shot by in the background, and no one could hear his music until he went to YouTube huh. and found his calling and his audience. There you go. All right. Well. Thank you for the handful of you who did participate. Uh, we appreciate your answers, and uh, thank you for thank you for your uh, your uh, input. Yeah, thank you very much. I would for mine though. I would definitely have to go with zero wing. That is the only time I can think of where Western translation oh. actually improved it by quite a bit. Yes. Uh, now. I would have to agree. Uh, that is definitely a case of yeah improvement, especially because of the the bad English uh, that was used to what basically what created one of the earliest internet memes. So as a as a raise my glass to zero wing as your pick, I will say. All your base are belong to us. Yes, and now it's time for us to move like a zig for great justice. <laughs> yes. My pick is a little bit more conventional and boring, um, but not too boring, because the Famicom game Final Mission, when it came over to the uh, North American market, it was improved in a number of ways. Um you get uh, hit points instead of one-hit deaths, uh, so the game is a little bit better balanced. The weapons also got a little bit of uh, an, an overhaul, mostly graphically, but I think they uh, also are uh, slightly better balanced in that way as well. But it also got a cool new name, Special Cybernetic Attack Team, or SCAT. And, I mean, come on, who doesn't love a good poop joke, right? So you've got you've got a you've got a, a, a game that has better difficulty balance and a better uh, better look and feel for the weapons plus poop jokes. It's a winner. Yeah. And the only other thing I, I mean, can think of that might work is Rock On, but the that intro is already in English, and I think they took one look at it and said ah, we can't improve upon this. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that. I mean, that's a game that you would have to. It, it's like a house that's a fixer-upper, but you would have to gut the entire thing and start over, or bulldoze the house and then burn it to the ground and then bury the ashes and then wait 10 years, and then 
make a new house on it, and then maybe it'll not suck. <laughs> it's the only game I could think of that st- the actual story starts with Dearly Beloved. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, wow. it's something else. Rock on is is rock on is certainly a video game. It's certainly something. Oh, All right. Yes. So let's switch our focus here to our focus shot, which is Mushihime Sama, or literally Bug Princess. Yeah. So did you play a lot this month? Is uh, I didn't have as much chance as I thought. I was too busy with the 6,000 ports of Salamander. Yeah, I didn't have as much time this month to play as I thought I would either. Although I did, I did put some time in uh, and have kind of been working on routing stage three. I think I'm, I think I'm close to having a solid stage three route. The one thing I was having more difficulty with was the last section of the giant insect, uh, where you've got the two back legs and the center portion. And the the thing that I always struggled with is the aimed spreads. And uh, shout out to Octane, um, who shared with me his strat and uh, actually linked me to the video of the 1cc that he got um, I think last year and uh, anyway, basically what I was missing was you gotta position yourself underneath one of the legs and then when the, f- the first set of spreads come out you like tap two or three times and then when the next spread comes out you tap two or three times back the way you came and I think I was just kind of missing that. I know I knew you that you had to sort of tap and move out of the way but I think maybe I was overthinking it a little bit. Overtapping. So, overtapping. So, armed with that, I'm going to try to finalize my stage three route and get to the point where I can then reach the boss consistently. Then it's going to be a matter of getting a good strategy for the stage three boss. Then... Hopefully, I'll be able to do a one credit, if not one life, run through stage three. That's my hope, is to do a one life run through stage three and then reach stage four. Once I reach stage four, all bets are off, and it'll be you know, back to the grind of learning stage four and routing through that. But... I feel like with stage three as the current wall, now that I've got, now that I've got this new strat uh, with the final portion of it, and then just figuring out the boss, I think I'm close. So I'm feeling pretty good about where I'm at right now, and uh, I'm hoping that next month's episode I'll be able to report that. I'm either well into stage four or I've figured out stage four and I'm ready to go for stage five. I like that optimism. Well, I need to keep, I need to keep the optimism going because, uh, if I have, if I've got any hope of clearing the original mode and moving on to 1.5 or a range before the end of the year, I need to, you know, I need to keep working on it. That's the key to victory on anything. Small steps. 
Yep, yep. That's exactly what I've been doing too. I've been routing a little bit of stage three. I can get to the boss usually without lo losing a life now, but I need to figure out where what area the boss to tackle first because it's basically two columns on either side and then it's shooting down the middle. So I, I got to figure out which order to tackle it on and get better at micro dodging. I, I that's one of the things that I know you had noticed that Mark does really well and I need to focus on improving that game as well to, to, to feel safe. I almost feel like there's a self-help book for this. Feel safe in your space while micro-dodging by Mark MSX. Right. Huh. So, yeah, it, the stage three is, of course, the first major hurdle that most people are going to have, and it's going to take some time to learn how to route that. Stage four, for the most part, all the routing I've done has been easier, but it's also a lot faster. Right. So I'm looking forward to trying that and then you know, hitting that break brick wall in stage five and then bringing out the curse words then. <sighs> stage five, though, is so cool with the, uh, the pitcher plants and and all the big bullet cancels. Uh, I mean, stage five really is kind of like a warm-up for Futari because of all the bullet canceling in Futari. Yep, bring on the slowdown. Indeed. All right, so now that we've gone through the focus shot, let's move on to shmup news. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot going on right now, which is always good to see. It's always good to see people come in and new new stuff going on. And I'm going to say it here. If you haven't already, we talked about this a couple months back. Sofstar, definitely give it a try. I was pleasantly surprised. And I think it, it's something that I want to tackle here and get more people to expose to. I'm not so sure Oh. Well, spread the word as much as Mark does for Crimson Clover, but it's something I'm going to try to champion here. Cool. Oh, and I, I want to make a note that based on all the items that I have in uh, in our notes here that we're looking at for Shmup News, the majority of this is stuff that I'm pulling from uh, Elixir who runs one of the shmup discords and uh, he runs, <clears throat> excuse me, he runs that, uh, that shmup discord and um, uh, give me a second to find it here. And in the shmup news channel, he basically just posts all of the tweets. So he is at shmups on Twitter. Uh, if you're not following that account and you're on Twitter, you should be. Now, if you're not on Twitter, I understand it's not for everyone, but if you are, then absolutely I would recommend following that account to make sure you're staying up with Shmop News. This is more of a recap when we do an episode, uh, so it's not going to be up to the minute news, but uh, it is good to sort of get this information out there, especially for those who are not on social media. Most people are happy people. <laughs> Generally speaking, I think you're right. All right, so the first news item we have here is G. Darius 
HD received a patch at the end of March that added G Darius version 2, both the original and HD, with new gadgets, replays, a training mode, and much more. And it's on sale right now on the PS4 version for $25 on Amazon, so definitely take a look at it. I think there's some, isn't there like some weird sticker on it too that's just like new or something on it, or 9 out of 10? 9 out of 10 shmuppers like this? Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and our and <laughs> nine, nine out of nine out of ten schmuppers. Well, we got to have that on the shirt. All right. So our next item is Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid <clears throat> burst forth. Choro Chorogun breath. Sorry, Chorogun breath. We'll be receiving a full Western release with multiple languages, and uh, it. I've heard some good things about this. I've heard it's simple, but I've heard it's a lot still fun. So I'm looking forward to trying this. I know you can pre-order it on Amazon. I just don't know when the release date is. Right. And uh, for those who aren't aware, this is based on an anime manga property, uh, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And uh, this is the latest uh, shooter from Moss, who, of course, inherited the Raiden franchise and also created uh, Caladrius Blaze. Yeah, so th- and I think this think is... Think less coffee and circuits and think more Caladrius Blaze and uh, Shame Breaks. Right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not... I don't think there are Shame Breaks necessarily, but yeah, it's a little bit more in the Caladrius vein than the Raiden 3 through 5 vein. Uh, there's a Shmup Creator Tool by Bulo Studio, which released on March 16th and is available on Steam, I believe. And uh, in less than a month now, there's already a full shmup that has been created called System 45. Um, and my understanding is there's this also uh, was an English-created tool, and there's no, there's no Japanese release for this, but I think this was actually a Japanese doujin developer uh, who created this game. Uh, so it's apparently fairly easy to use. Um, I don't need any. I don't need anything else to busy me with besides the shmup club and all of this. But I've had all these ideas for shooters in the past, and so this is one of those things that I may eventually go down this rabbit hole and uh, you know try and try and uh, pick this up and and play around with it a little bit. There are other tools available, but uh, this is the latest one and. Uh, it looks like it might be cool. Now you can finally create that Tohu fan game you've always wanted. <laughs> right. So Akai Katana is finally getting a port via City Connection, and speculation points to a possible Switch release, which I am excited for. Uh, I think that this is something that I hate to use the uh, the Metal Jesus words. You know, if I use it more than five times, I may summon them, but. Um, hidden gem that a lot of people didn't play on the 360. Right. And speaking of City Connection, the recent City Connection release of Death Smiles 1 and 2 is heading to Steam as well, despite there already being Cave's original Death Smiles port on Steam. I think, though, that it probably warrants a rework. I, I, I think those ports weren't as well received as they could be. I know the 360 port was looked at as being pretty solid, but I don't think that 
the Steam ports were looked at as being ex that great. So I'm looking forward to see what, what goes on with here. Plus, so many few people have played Death Smiles too. That it, and it's going to be a nice experience for people. And who want, doesn't want to fight a 50 foot tall Santa? This is true. Uh, just on the subject of Akai Katana for a minute, I'm, I'll be interested to see what City Connection does with this because the 360 port, according to Mark MSX's review, the arcade, the straight arcade port in that is not great uh, because it has a number of technical issues and the slowdown is inaccurate, etc. So I think people generally tend to stay away from just the straight arcade version in that, but they play the the other modes or what have you. Um, and so I'll be curious to see if the City Connection port does something or they or they you know find a way to make it more accurate to the arcade original I don't know I their um, their track record has been a little spotty so yeah it's been hit or we'll miss. just have to wait and see I guess but they've done some quality work and then I have to say city connection is one of those publishers out there who is definitely taking some risk and willing to give STGs are due, so even if it's not perfect, they're doing a lot more to bring it to the forefront. So uh, I applaud them for that. Yeah. They're also doing uh, the Layer Section and Galactic Attack S Tribute, uh, which is going to have basically Saturn ports of several games, namely Layer Section and Galactic Attack, which is the same game, just two different names, uh, you know, which is the Saturn version of Rayforce. Um, but it's also going to include Elevator Action Returns, Cleopatra's Fortune, Puzzle Bobble 2 and 3, and the Saturn port of Metal Black. Now, there's a demo out for the for Layer Section, which I think is just the first stage, and there was an early tweet from a Japanese account that showed something on the order of three or three and a half frames of, of input delay, which is relatively good, but then Mark MSX did a review of the demo, and he was saying it's more like five or six. And I've heard from some other people on Discord that, that say that it's not good either. So, I don't know. I already own... Actually, both Saturn versions, Layer Section and Galactic Attack. So I don't necessarily need this, but the convenience of playing it on a modern console, I appreciate. I'd be curious to see how it performs on PS4 compared to Switch. Uh, but I do think it's good that the game is is more accessible, particularly the, particularly the Saturn version because of the improved soundtrack. But yeah, I... I'm just not sure how well this is going to do or how well it's going to perform. So. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep a watch on, but maybe wait for reviews first. I have to say, you know, even if it's not perfect, having the ability to have all these on a Switch Lite or something is pretty enticing by itself to just have the portability of this. That said, I yeah. really do like Elevator Action Returns, and I think that 
is is almost a highlight over layer section almost because it is such a good game right well and metal black uh having uh having it accessible again right. uh w- will be nice I mean, right? Because right now, I think it's locked to the PS2 version, right? Of uh, Taito, PS2. Same with Alberta. Taito Legends Two, yeah. But I, I, for something, I swear that Metal Black was on Arcade Archives, but it must not be. Uh, yeah, it's it's not, and that's a shame because it's uh, it's a great game. They should get definitely get on. That. I'm sure they're listening right now. Uh. <laughs> Uh, Wouldn't that be nice? Up next, we have Dojin Shooters. Combaria Sword in Shinarubi are receiving EX Arcadia releases as Combaria Sword AC in Shinarubi Pink Label. Oh, Pink Label. We're going with that on their Pink Sweets, uh, respectively. <laughs> there will be an update for SDOJ EX Arcadia port, which has various fixes, including reducing lag by one frame, improving load time, and more. And the more I think about... And here, it used to be like the Sharp X68000 was something that I was like, oh, this is the uh, amazing thing. But I may just switch to like, what do I want for Christmas? I want an EX Arcadia. That's all I want for shmup, <laughs> shmupmas. There, right. I mean, the amount of games that are on the EX Arcadia by themselves is almost justifying itself as... A console of choice. Of course, it's also two to three grand, but <sighs> hopefully, yeah. I mean, Exa Arcadia is kind of the new Neo Geo. The future is now. <sighs> yeah. Uh, there's <clears throat> there's a new uh, Brazilian STG magazine called Shmup Mania. That apparently is crowdfunded, uh, getting printed, and there are two issues out right now. Those can be purchased online at uh, shmupmania.com.br. Very so cool. Check that out. I'm I'm thinking about grabbing both of those. Uh, don't forget that Psycho Shooting Library One and Two will be released on PS4 from City Connection. So those are interesting. I wonder if those will be. Any improvement on the... Um, all I can think of is Mark's infamous reviews for these. And I just hope they make oh, some yeah, changes the... to the way that these are done. Well, according to what I read, they're based on the Steam versions, which are at least somewhat of an improvement over the Switch versions. That's I don't know hear. how drastic, but it's something. And there will be physical versions coming out on uh, June 30th for Volume 1 and July 28th for Volume 2. Right, and those are done by NASA America? Um, I'm not sure if NIS America is going to be doing those this time. They did the Switch ones, but since City Connection is handling it, I'm not sure if, uh, if they'll tap NIS to do these as well or not. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Just just like this next uh, one coming up here. Ever people get ready? Cotton's a coming. Cotton Rock and Roll yes. is getting a Steam release. Fall 2022, but you can order it now on Amazon because it comes out in May for the PS4 and for the uh, Nintendo Switch. That's the U.S. version. 
I know that uh, Strictly Limited already did a thing for their European version. But everything I've seen from Twitch has me interested in this game. It looks like a lot of fun. I did enjoy Cotton Reboot. And, and for those who haven't been uh, noticed, that's been heavily discounted recently. I think it was $27 for the Switch and the uh, PS4 version recently uh, for the physical copies on Amazon. And it was oh. even like $22 for the eShop sales. So it's pretty good wow. to keep an eye on that and definitely keep an eye on Cotton because I've been hearing really good things for Cotton Rock and Roll. Nice. Uh, Livewire has stated that they're apparently working on another shmup port, but they haven't announced which game. And you have to wonder... With City Connection working on the Death Smiles 1 and 2, and also the uh, Akai Katana port, if this is going to be another cave game, or if Livewire is going to be tackling something else. Um, But I know a lot of people really want Futari, and I would be one of those people. Um, you know, I've got the 360 version, but I really would like to see that game get a wider release because it's still never been officially released outside of Japan. So it would be amazing to 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 see Mushi Futari finally get a a wider release. But we'll just have to wait and see what what it is that they're doing. It'd be interesting to see if they throw a curveball and everyone gets Mushi Mushi Pork. That would be interesting, yeah. Or we can finally get uh, Ketsui for the Switch. Goodbye, free time. <laughs> right. Yep, and Capcom is in the news here with Capcom and Arcade's second stadium coming. And it's include 32 more 80s and 90s arcade titles. So I wonder if they're going to have... Area 88 or UN Squadron, Sidearms, Equal, sorry, Equal Fighters, Excise, Gunsmoke, Last Duel, Mars Matrix, Damahu, Three Wonders, Gigawing 2, Ganspike. I wonder if, you know, they came out with that Capcom stick, didn't they? That a lot of the stuff was not on there. So, right. got, Final Fight wasn't in the first one, right? I wonder if we're going to get a lot. Uh, yeah, I think it is. It is in the first one? I think so. All right, I'll have to. But I'm just wondering if a lot of the stuff that was in the Capcom arcade stick is going to make its way to this. A lot of the CPS2 stuff in there. I don't see like Street Fighter 3 in the CPS3 oh. area being there. But, of course, then they've got that collection, don't they? The fighting collection. So I wonder what they're... Right. Aliens versus Predator, do you think, on the... Ooh, that would be nice. That would be sweet. Um, yeah, the the information that I saw is that Sun Sun is going to be the free game. Uh, so, like, 1943 is the free game on the original one. And then you can buy the packs that include the other games. So Sun Sun is going to be the free game this time. And there was also something stating that if you pre-ordered that Capcom Fighting Collection, 
you would also get three wonders as a bonus. Uh, so free, that's cool because they're, the three wonders has three different games in it. A platformer, a puzzle game, and then a shooter. Huh? And everybody get your 3DS hardware out because Andro Dunos 2 is out soon on all major platforms as well as 3DS, which at this point appears to be the final physical release for the hardware. Yeah, and I suspect it's going to sell out fast, so uh, don't don't sleep on that one. Um, and then we have Tohu 9, a.k.a. Phantasmagoria of Flower View, is coming to Steam on April 25th, which I, I think takes care of the, uh, the, the Japanese law. Is this in Japanese law that a Tohu game has to come out, or at least one Tohu game per month? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I swear that that's, that seems to be the case. Is just last month they released that Toho Monopoly game. A what? Yeah, Toho Monopoly. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they, it's a Toho board game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's called Toho Monopoly, <laughs> but I'm sure it would be Game West. <laughs> Toho Monopoly. What would the currency be in Toho Monopoly? Oh no! Don't go there, please. <laughs> it's, it's bad. No, I mean, like, what would they use to, you know, what would you use to buy? I don't know, power ups, or they don't. I guess you don't have power ups in a Toho. There's a Toho racing game where the girls ride other girls. This is the area you are uh, going into. This is true. I, I better tread lightly. Yep. Otherwise, you'll start going into my 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 fandom Ooh. game for Toho incessant pudding. Oh my. Let yeah, let's not go there. Uh and then this is not this was not uh on uh on Elixir's Twitter feed, but I wanted to shout out some some shmup content that is uh a little bit newer. Um this has been going on for a little bit now, but the average Superplay enjoyers uh is a series on YouTube. Uh they've got 14 episodes now and it's run by Pearl on uh, Pearl's web cha- uh, or YouTube channel and features Plasmo in, in, so far in every episode and then various other shmup community members uh, uh, as they watch old MAME INP replays. So if you're not familiar with that, MAME has the ability to record your gameplay to a custom proprietary file called an INP, which essentially just allows you to replay inputs. So it records all of your inputs in a game and then allows you to load up the the game and then replay the input so that it will effectively mimic what you did during that playthrough. It's kind of a neat um, a neat way of doing it uh, even though it's not a I don't know if you would call it a exact one-to-one replication of the experience, but generally speaking, they they play back and allow you to recreate that uh, that game. So anyway, they found this archive of over 500 replays, many of which are or all of which are from kind of the late 90s, early 2000s where there was a lot of uh, MAME activity going on. 
And so we're talking old versions of MAME and stuff like that. And so they're going through and trying to preserve some of these by replaying those and then commentating over them and putting them out on YouTube. Uh, so I watched through the first one um, the other day, timely in a way, because the very first replay that they went through was uh, G. Darius version 2, which of course we talked about at the top of this segment, since uh, the M2 port of G. Darius HD is getting version 2 added to it uh, here as uh, free DLC uh, here shortly. And so... It was kind of cool to watch that, and then there was a replay of Strikers 1945-2 in the first episode. So that'll be interesting to kind of watch as that develops and as they continue to find uh, different different replays and get those working. Um, uh, so check that out. It sounds interesting. Also I have a, quick a question regarding that, though. Have any of these IMP replays yeah. come from Billy Mitchell? I would assume not, because... I don't think Billy Mitchell plays any games that were made after 1984. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think we're safe. It really, I mean, it, it sounds like a neat thing. It's something I'll have to check out. Is It sounds like a, uh, uh, a I don't want to say sister, but a something along the lines of STG Weekly. Yeah, it's kind of like STG Weekly, except a little bit more informal and very specific to a lot of old replays and um, a lot of shmup community members from back kind of pre-Discord and well before the sort of current renaissance that we're going through in the genre. And so this was sort of in the halcyon days of of early MAME and uh, a lot of early shmup forum kind of of uh, stuff going on. So, yeah, it's a, an interesting look back at, at a, a bit of an awkward period for the genre. But still some active players uh, doing some high-level play. Uh, and then there's also the uh, new there's a new video podcast from Octane and Dace, who has a, a channel on YouTube called Shmuptopia called the Shmupcast, and they did uh, their first episode here recently, kind of discussing the idea behind the one CC mentality and um, you know the idea of do you get into the genre to play for one CCs or do you just get into the genre to play and have fun and and stuff like that, and so it was an interesting discussion. So I'll uh, I'll be curious to see where they take that uh, in the months ahead. Sounds good. If you know they ever do an episode where they watch uh, shmup commercials on there, I'll gladly join. I, I love the STG <laughs> Weekly where they were watching the ads for original Gradius, or um, I believe there's some Darius Sushi commercials in there as well. Good stuff. Yep. So that is all the news that we've got to share this time. All right. So with the news out of the way, I'd like to do a shout out to our participants for the month of March 2022. They are Metalfro, Addicted, Corkman, D. Tunstan, Mini Consulman, Zoido, and Easy Racer. 
And it's the usual suspects. Yeah, we had pretty good group this month. And we had pretty good this game this month. month, too. We were playing Salamander and Life Force, which I swear they couldn't leave well enough alone. And every single... Someone says, let's call it Salamander. And it says, well... We have tissue in here. We should just change it up. And then say, well, it's not good enough. Let's change it up again. I think that there's <laughs> at least two variants per port. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on here. So Salamander came out in uh, Japanese and European arcades in 1986. Which was one year after was Gradius, in, right? The original Gradius. Yeah, one year after Gradius. And the idea was that instead of making a direct Gradius sequel, they would sort of innovate and iterate on the formula uh, and change it up so that it wouldn't be just just another Gradius game. Yeah, I think I read on Hardcore Gaming 101 that they had just watched the movie Inner Space and said, this seems good enough, let's go with it. Oh. No, <laughs> I'm kidding with the last remark. <laughs> Now, uh, now, of course, this was developed and published by Konami. Uh, and then when, when the game came out in North America, it got renamed as Life Force, as many of you know. It had some graphical tweaks. Uh, they had more voices. And there was a greater focus on the biological elements. Uh, your, your player ship is known as the uh, USS Lightspeed for some odd reason. To translation fails and, and beyond. Yeah. And your mission is to travel inside the Sentinel XR1, who is some sort of half-human, half-biomechanical warrior, and eradicate the brain tumor that threatens its life. Yeah, you know, I, I think that this Sentinel XR1 is just another term. Maybe they lost a the copyright for Stu Goodbody. But I, I think it's just... <laughs> I'll put that in there. So, yeah, and... It's not just the USS Lightspeed that they screwed up in the NES manual. They also did the... Um... Well, this was just for the arcade version. Oh, the arcade version. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're, we'll get to the NES version. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the... <laughs> so, um, oh, I see we're just about to get in. Boy, is this and get so many... A Gradius by any other name. Right. Well, see, then... Life Force was brought back to Japan for another arcade release where they made even more graphics changes, made it even more sort of biological focused, and then went back to the Gradius style power bar, which they had kind of issued for this game. We'll get into that when we talk about the gameplay a little bit more. And so it's a weird... It's a weird confluence of events. But Konami wasn't done, because in 87, they put out Salamander on the MSX, which is sort of based on the arcade version, almost, kinda. But they modified the story, there's new ships, and the areas are completely different. It has the Gradius-style power bar, and realistically, it's, it's closer to the the numbered Gradius games on the MSX, like Gradius numeral 2 and Gradius numeral 3, than it is to the uh, to the Salamander arcade game. It also has some new power-ups, which I didn't 
quite figure out completely how to and use. you have to uh, you have to do the the MSX is a little weird and it has two cartridges ports so, so in order to get to the last stage or unlock the full thing you ha actually have to put in the nemesis two cartridge into slot two and then put salamander into slot one to unlock the full game oh it's so weird yeah. the way they did that with dlc and some of the stuff on there and i was looking at this and like maybe i could try doing this it's like let's spend six hundred dollars in order to put a level of salamander on my msx <laughs> what the heck but it, oh, it's so weird that konami was so ingrained in the msx and and i'm no there are reasons why but it it's just so fascinating to see that you have to combine these two games in order to form Captain Planet here or Voltron or, <laughs> or play the full game. It's, it's like a weird version of DLC before it's time. Yeah, well, and I, I should have mentioned earlier that um, that you know Salamander itself is a is a different take on the on the Gradius formula, but there are some distinct changes. So you've got two player co op. Uh, player one, you play as Vic Viper, as you do in the uh, other Gradius games. But then player two is a new ship called Lord British. No, it's Road British. You also... Ah, uh, we'll get to that. You also have both horizontal horizontal and vertical stages. Uh, and then uh, in the original Salamander, you have static power-ups instead of the power bar. So instead of just getting these icons that allow you to choose your weapon by collecting the number that you need to get to the selection that you want, the power-ups are just there, and you just collect them, and they're they're in the levels at different locations. Yep. Now, the one thing that I'll add here is Konami was creating its own huge metaverse. I, I'm trying to think of that, but... It was it was this entire story building that they were going for, and of course this was during the '80s when money was flowing like water. Uh, not to be confused with water trademark, but it was flowing like water <laughs> with, and everything was being greenlit. So if you look on YouTube, you can actually find the uh, Salamander slash Gradius OVAs that, that with the, the backstory oh, yes. for all this. I mean. The, the first volume only, or first episode, only talks about the rise of Lord British and his uh, the backstory of Salamander. But I, I just, it's it's interesting. It's not world as power cringe, but it's certainly interesting. Uh, and I, I also have to say, I wonder if Lord British is an homage to Richard Garriott or Lord British from Ultima. His wizardry was hugely influential, and so was uh, Ultima. Yeah, yeah, very influential in Japan. So it's it's a distinct possibility, I would say, that Lord British is a nod to uh, Richard Garriott or to the Ultima games uh, in general. Uh, so then you also had Salamander on the Famicom, which came out in 87, and that sort of took elements from Salamander and Life Force Arcade, and so it took the some of the level layout stuff from Salamander, but then brought back the the Gradius Power Bar and combined it together. But the but the Famicom and NES version also does a weird thing by changing the level layouts and stage order from the arcade version. 
And someone pointed out to me on stream that it's more like the Loop 2 uh, layout of of uh, Salamander is what you get in Life Force, which explains the, uh, the changes. Um, you also have the inclusion of the Konami code, so that, like Contra, if you use the Konami code, you get 30 lives. Yeah. Which you might need, because the NES version is no push Oh, yeah, you know, Hitbox is as big as... Uh, as big as wow. Texas in this one, so it's yeah. yeah. And the other thing I, I think too is that the first thing when people think of Salamander uh, on the Famicom, the first thing they think of is that cool blue cart. I yes, I, I, the seafood yes, cartridge. I, I don't know what it what it is about that cart, but it, it's so darn cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Then you had Salamander on the PC Engine, which came out December of 91. A little bit of a, I don't want to say a late release for the PC Engine, but certainly later in the life, given the fact that the PC Engine released in 87. And it's essentially a port of the arcade version of Salamander, and it's relatively faithful, but it's kind of jank. Uh... Konami usually did really good work on the PC Engine, but I don't know. In my opinion, I know that there are some who really enjoy it, but in my opinion, it's kind of janky. The hitbox is nasty. The the missiles do a weird thing where they don't follow the trajectory of the ground. They just sort of shoot out really fast at an angle, at like a 45-degree angle from your ship and disappear. So the missiles are kind of useless if they're not right in front of you. And everything moves really fast. So, I don't know. I did not... I did not care for the PC Engine version. But, if that's your jam, uh, it is on the TurboGrafx Mini. But only on the TurboGrafx Mini for some reason. It's not included on the PC Engine Mini or the Core Graphics Mini. Um... There are some. Uh, there, the other change that they made is that instead of an instant respawn on death, there's there are checkpoints, because everybody loves checkpoints and shoot 'em ups. Yeah, just ask the people who played uh, Super R Type. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> um, there were several microcomputer ports that were created including the ZX Spectrum and Amstrad CPC, which were apparently done by the same person, and then the Commodore 64 port. Uh, I watched the RetroCore Battle of the Ports video for Salamander earlier, and yeah, the ZX Spectrum and Amstrad CPC versions look like hot garbage. I would not recommend checking those out. But the C64 version actually looks competent, although it's different but it looks like uh, it might actually be fun. There was also apparently a Dojin developed Salamander game, uh, you know, tribute or whatever, for the PC-98, which is a Japanese computer. And from what I determined, there's so little information out there, but there was a developer, a Dojin developer called Cat's Gold. And... Someone in the Gradius Discord 
had linked video footage of this Cat's Gold version, and it looks super janky. Uh, the scrolling is MSX levels of of choppy, and it looks like it doesn't play well. But it's interesting. So, I, I still wanted to mention it because it's interesting. Wasn't there also a Sharp X68000 port? There was, and uh, according to that uh, Battle of the Ports video, it's plagued by a lot of slowdown and uh, the, has poor performance, which is unusual given the power of the X68000 hardware and how many quality arcade ports there are on that. So it's... Uh, I don't know if it was just a rushed port or lazy programming or if Konami was so invested in the MSX that they hadn't quite uh, hadn't quite got the hang of the X68000 hardware yet. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe for, they put their B team on it. Yeah, it's very weird for the Sharp X68000 not to be, keep up with Commodore. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, the... Now, Salamander and the Japanese version of Life Force appeared on the Saturn and PlayStation as part of the Salamander Deluxe Pack. That also included Salamander 2. Uh, and then also on the Salamander Portable Collection on PSP. Uh, but none of those collections were ever released outside of Japan. And uh, I ha have the Saturn version, and that's what I spent the most time on, I think, during yeah. the course of the month. Same here, but you, you noticed something a little bit strange where we both just sort of accepted the default difficulty on the Saturn port, and then as soon as you start trying the Arcade Archive, you said, wait, this isn't supposed to happen? So it's right. weird to think the Saturn version maybe is a little bit nerfed, at least on its default difficulty. Yeah. yeah, it's just slightly easier, and there are a couple of spots where it felt like there were elements that were tweaked. So I don't know if it was done specifically to, I don't know if this was just Konami still going back to tweak the game further because they were maybe never fully satisfied with it. I don't know why they kept changing this game with every new version. You know what this sort of reminds but, me of? This reminds me of Star Wars. First we had Star Wars, then we had Star Wars Special Edition. Now we have Star Wars a Special Special uh, Edition. <sighs> yeah, just just give me Star Wars. That's all I want. I, I don't want... I don't want all this other stuff. Just give me Salamander. Right? Yeah, no... Just give me Salamander, give me Star Wars, and I'm good. Yep. Now here's where we have to cut down to 15-minute rant on Star Wars. <laughs> right. No, I'll be good. Um... There was an Android remake that was in development, but from what I read, the studio who was developing it closed, and so the project got canceled. But one of the members of the dev team apparently finished the game later and then put it out there for free from uh, their Twitter account, but it does not work on modern iterations of Android. So the only way to play it at this point is either to download it on an older Android device or to use an Android uh, 
environment emulator and fire up an older version. But it does look good, and the the uh, little bit of the soundtrack arrangement that I heard did sound like it was reasonably good. So it's kind of too bad. It, it almost looks like like a Gradius Rebirth kind of vibe with the game, or something that looks like a a discount version of what we could have had if there would have been a Gradius Five type of revival of Salamander. That one sounds like it would be pretty neat to see. Yeah. Uh, there is video footage out there on YouTube, so you can check it out. The uh, The arcade version of Salamander, Life Force, and Life Force Japan are available on PS4 and Switch from the Arcade Archives line. And then the arcade uh, Konami Arcade Classics Anniversary Edition has released uh, within the last couple of years on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, and that includes that as well. So now we get to the story, and we've got I've got two different versions of the story in here. I thought that was enough. Let's let's start with the story of the original Salamander the arcade version. Lattice was a planet covered by water with a beautiful sparkle. There, a prophecy of fire has been passed down since a long time ago. Thousands of light years away, when a giant dragon born and living in a sea of flames wakes up, a crazy force will approach, swallowing heaven and earth in the darkness and eventually breaking the light. Here in Planet Lattice, the bacterian cluster continues to spread, beginning its invasion with the Salamander army. The Lattice army, however, didn't have any way of fighting against Salamander. The Prince of Lattice threw himself at battle with the space-time fighter Lord British, named after himself, and requested help from the planet Gradius, which was said to have faced and defeated the Cluster's forces before. The Gradius army receives British's distress call. Extending their support, they fly to the Salamander Army's mother star, Super Space Time Fighter Vic Viper Launch. Well, it doesn't have text maximum, but I, I give it definitely a B plus. Yeah, and I kind of like the the clumsy English translation. Uh, it works for me. So now, would you like to grace us with the story as it is written in the NES manual for Life Force? This is the way. <laughs> in a remote quadrant of the universe, there was hatched a hideous creature. His proud parents, Ma and Pa Deltoid, named their only son Zelos, in which alien lingo means one mean son of a gun. <laughs> As Zalus grew into adult space monster, his appetite turned ravenous, his temper turned ruthless, and his name proved an understatement. Are you sure you didn't give me fanfic? Am I reading someone's fanfic? <laughs> I'm absolutely certain I typed this out from the manual that was a PDF scan of the manual, and I have the manual so I can corroborate I swear someone used, gave you a fanfic. <laughs> It didn't take long for Zelos to leave the nest and go out on his own, devouring everything in sight, including three galaxies, four planets, two trillion life forms, 
in a side order of fries. Oh, stars. <laughs> then your innocent galaxy appeared and you chowed on an entire entree of roast gratius in the planet Lattis for dessert. Now the only chance these civilizations have of escaping from his digestive tract lies with you and your starfighting partner. But the odds look pretty grim as Zelos is full of floating Amar Armada terror zones, which are cities that have become part of Zelos after being eaten. Each of these zones is loaded with tremendous firepower and unbelievable destructive surprises. Yeah, you know, uh, I find myself full of unbelievably destructive surprises when I eat a lot of Tex Maxim. <laughs> You'll also find that Zelos' heart and soul are positioned safely behind his traitor fleet. That means you'll have to devastate the six terror zones and blast away their grotesque mares before reaching Zelos' major artery and putting an end to his eating binge. I mean, I, I got a question. How do you how do you become mayor uh, you know, of a zone on here? It's uh, in grotesque. Do they hold an election? You're not grotesque enough to be mayor. Get out of here. Well, my question is, he's if he's eaten three galaxies, then what do four more planets add to that? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, uh, I, since it was, one was considered with sparkling, beautiful water, maybe they helped on there. If you think about it, stage three, right? Stage three shows that he ate too much hex maxium. That's what all the flames are for. So maybe he just needs to take that planet and... <laughs> And that will help extinguish the flame. I know when I have too much Tex Maxim, I get a little bit of heartburn and end up like stage three. So I, I could understand. Yeah, I could see that. Th this story, I mean, is one for the ages. I, I can't, I can't stop laughing. If I owned the NES as a kid, and I had purchased this game and read the story in the manual, even as a kid who was into all kinds of cheesy cartoons and things, I would have read this and thought, this is the lamest thing I've ever read. But I love it so much. You know, And I think I, it's because it's so lame. Is it, was it just me? Was I the only one who heard the uh, narrator from Voltron in their head when they read that? <laughs> that could work. Hey, it, it's definitely unique. I mean, we've had stuff come from the moon before, we've had some fingers, we've had Dearly Beloved, but never before have we had such a concomity of well, scat. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you, when you're re reading the first part of the story, it's all good until you get to Ma and Pa Deltoid. Then you know the rest of it is going to be garbage. But somebody had a lot of fun and a lot of booze writing it. <laughs> That's possible. Oh, man. All right, well, unfortunately, it's time to leave Mom and Paul Deltoid behind and talk about the gameplay. Yes, yes. unlike Gradius before, Salamander adds some vertical stages to the mix. Go up, go up, and you alternate between yeah. them. Yeah, this was pretty inventive, even for, for the NES version, where they were able to keep most of the stuff. It, it, really impressive for what it was doing. When it's 
I mean, could you technically call this the first vertizontal game? It's possible. I mean, you know, Konami had previously done a horizontal shooter on a vertical screen with Scramble. But yeah, this is this is maybe the first major vertically scrolling shoot 'em up that appears on a 4x3 horizontal aspect ratio monitor. Yeah, it, it's Yoko, it's not uh, Tate. Right. So it might be the first it might be the first vertizontal shooter, but it, it then it would also share the distinction of being the first one that has both over uh, both overhead and side view stages. Yeah. And I, I have to say, it's also the first one where I can understand what the heck they're saying. It doesn't sound like a speaking spell. <laughs> well, it still kind of has that speaking spell uh, vibe going on, but the voices are actually, yeah, clear enough that you can kind of understand what what they're saying. Pick it up for multiple. <laughs> you heard that in your sleep, I'm sure. Uh, just about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the power ups are, in at least the initial version, are static. We have the speed up or hyper speed in uh, in a or North America. You know, I feel like they missed a chance of putting ludicrous speed. Right. That would have been a good option. Although I, I don't think any. I think that was reserved for the PC Engine version there. Uh, yeah. One thing what we may have not mentioned before is Salamander. Gradius is commonly referred to as rolling, rowing your way through the stars. It's a slow-paced game. So you really want to get to do speed 2 or 3 in order to get and then start moving out getting options so you can space out your options and get your coverage. That's yep. uh, a, a pretty good, uh, you know, if I'm going to do my best Madden, Madden explanation there, that, that's your best play. With Salamander, it sort of gives you most everything you need off the bat, so you don't really need the speed. But when they switched it back to Life Force, at least the Japanese Life Force, they threw back in the bar. And same thing with the Life Force on the North American NES release. So you're going to need that speed up in order to keep through it. Even on the NES version, I think it scrolls pretty fast. Yeah, I I would say I never went with more than one speed up on purpose. Uh, I would occasionally get a, a second or, or even a third, but I never tried to go for more than one speed up in, in Salamander or Life Force because otherwise I just moved too fast and then you kind of start to go out of control and it's easy to easy to start running into things. Well, even even with the super play that is on STG Weekly with Aquas, and I apologize I forget the super player's name, but he he, he would rarely get uh, more than three more than two speed ups, I should say. Three was, was the maximum most of the time you'd avoid them. So I think, I think it's the only time that you're actually avoiding power-ups in a Gradius style game. Yep. And then, then we have the multiples or options, which you use for giving yourself as much of a spread as possible. There are a lot of situations, but even in stage one, it sort of forces you, as you're shooting through the muscle, 
or whatever you want to call it, brain tissue or whatever you want to call it, the pink stuff. <laughs> right. The hamburger. You are needing to spread out your options to get a lot of coverage. Yeah, and I got to mention this because it was something that I noticed playing it that I had never really noticed before, but when I'm when I was playing this game and concentrating on it, this game does something unique with the multiples that no other game in the Gradius series does. And in fact, it's not really repeated in Salamander 2 either. But it does this odd thing where there's this sort of elastic or rubber band kind of effect with the with the multiples, where you move them around the screen and they'll spread out behind you and kind of follow your trajectory. But depending on where and how far you move, the multiples will sort of cinch in a little closer together. So rather than following a static pattern based on your movements, they'll sort of, I don't know, they'll sort of form up in weird ways. And so it made it a little bit harder to position them the way that you normally would in a traditional Gradius game. And I'm not sure what the purpose was of doing that, but it's a really odd choice. Yeah, the option, options are definitely different. <laughs> they do some weird stuff, as you mentioned before, with the rubber banding. Even in the end of stage one, where they sort of can like destroy the environment. <laughs> and there, you, you let them get to oh, the yeah. wall behind you, at the brain boss, and they'll just sort of eat away at it. It's just weird. But... You know, experimental. There's a lot of changes done, and as you talked about earlier, they kept back in re- going back to the drawing board and revising it. Right. And then the missiles are interesting. It's, it's sort of funny too if you press the uh, missile button before you get any of the stuff. No missiles in chamber. Right. Yeah. The missile chamber is empty. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a nice touch, actually, where. They added that to where if you try to hit the, the missile button beforehand, it would give you that message. And it's one of those fun little things that Konami didn't have to do that, but they did. And I appreciate it because it's just kind of a fun little extra thing for players. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the equivalent of an Easter egg, I guess. Yeah, it's totally useless, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that describes me, too. <laughs> uh, don't sell yourself short. Oh. All right, so our next power-up is the laser. Or laser. And the I have to say, I think the laser is shorter. In this one, at least it seems shorter than your typical Gradius game. The beam itself. Yeah, it's shorter and it's wider. So it, it actually is kind of like a halfway point between the traditional Gradius laser and the NES Gradius laser, which is much shorter but wider. This is kind of an in-between point where it's still a longer laser segment, but it's a, it's a wider laser with almost this kind of odd... Uh, I don't even know what you call it. This odd banding on it to give it a little bit more texture. Man, we could maybe call it diet laser. <laughs> diet laser. <laughs> and then we have the 
first appearance, if I remember correctly, of the Ripple Laser, or Distinction Ripple. Right. Yeah. Oddly renamed the Pulse Laser for the North American version. Yeah. I, oh, hey. Uh, you know the, the guy. The guy who was working on Mom and Pa Deltoid had a day off, I guess. <laughs> and then, last but not least, we have the Force Field or Shield in the North American version. Is it my imagination, or is the Force Field actively dissipate? It just gets smaller and smaller until it's this little point, and then like one shot kills it. In the arcade version, I was playing Salamander. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how that works. It's not like the it's not like the the dual shield in the original Gradius where it takes a certain amount of hits and then it goes away. Yeah, it's like it takes some hits and then shrinks down and then it takes some more hits and shrinks down. So it's almost like a combination of it lasts a certain amount of time based on the number of hits that you take. It, it's weird, and I, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not Gradius staple. It's, it's its own thing. Yeah, but like the original Gradius shield, it also doesn't protect you all the way around. It's only a forward-facing uh, deflector shield, if you will. Yeah, and... Uh, the game itself is pretty easy to figure out as far as the controls because you've got one button to fire, one button, sorry, one button to fire your weapon, one button to fire your missiles, and you've got a stick to move around. There's really not much to it as far as movement or nothing, no fancy uh, Damaku controls here. Yeah, one thing that I really appreciated about the. Uh, the Saturn version was that there was a, a better auto-fire option, uh, but in particular on the Arcade Archives version, they not only give you a, a choice of auto-fire option, but you can also configure one button that will be auto-fire for both shot and missiles, which is excellent because then you can just kind of let it go and just do the one button. Yeah, so a nice little convenience. Fire that freedom finger. Yep. Yep. So the interesting thing about Salamander General is that it's made up of six stages, where the odd stages are horizontal, and the even stages are vertical. I was again just impressed by how well everything seems to flow. It, here at the end of end of a boss. All right, you know, move forward or go right. Go right. You know, it's. I mean, it's, it does sort of sound like a GPS now. Think about it, but it make it turn when possible. But it's it, it's pretty impressive for what you, what you're used to, and definitely would have been pretty neat in, in arcades. With that being said, though. I remember seeing Gradius in arcades, or Nemesis, but I don't remember ever seeing Life Force in an actual arcade. Did you see one in any of the ones that you frequented? No, I don't remember ever seeing Gradius in an arcade either. So, um, you know, this would have been... 
At the time that this came out, though, I mean, I would not have been frequenting arcades at this point, uh, just because I lived where I didn't really have access to one. And so, other than seeing the odd arcade machine here or there at a restaurant or in a store, uh, you know, I, I didn't really get to see a lot until probably the late 80s, early 90s is when that really started to pick up. Yeah, for me, it was a lot of, like, pizza places. I, I don't want to get into, like, Showtime or or Showbiz Pizza or any of that. But it, I, I, that's where I saw most of the new games was at when everybody had a pizza party and went to the arcade and got to see those. So I just don't ever remember seeing Life Force. And even when looking it up... I, I, it's just not something that seemed that common to me. Maybe it's more common and it just wasn't uh, in my area, just like with with yours. But yeah, that could be. Interesting. Well, the one speaking of interesting, when you die, multiples or options are dropped, and most of the time you you can recover them. So I th- I thought that was interesting. They dropped the checkpoints that you, that are a hallmark of the Gradius series. Yeah, except for the of course the PC Engine version, which decided that everybody loves checkpoints. Right. So when we're playing with uh, the USS Lightbeer, I'm sorry, USS Lightyear and uh, Road Fighter here, Road British, <laughs> we. Or two players, you can have four multiples on screen at once. So either two and two, one and three, or four and none. Uh, woe, woe be to the person who who has their options stolen or multiples stolen. Right. Uh, players will bump into each other and can push each other's ships around, making some situations more difficult. Uh, that, that would just be bad. Somebody just ganking you the entire time. There are no extra power-ups due to two-player mode. Yeah, and I wanted to make sure and talk about this because uh, Corkman and I did a two-player run, or several two-player runs, through Fightcade. And this was a very interesting uh, experiment because with those things that I highlighted there, this game becomes uh, this game, you know it's it's already not a cakewalk but i would say that actually the two player game uh, is probably more difficult than the one player experience for those reasons the fact that you feel underpowered because you can only have a uh, the maximum of four multiples on screen at one point or at any given time and the fact that you you move each other around, you can't exist in the same space, which makes sense because physics, but, you know, video games break those kinds of rules all the time. Uh, so the fact that, that they don't allow you to break those rules in this game, and they actually make you push each other around, makes the game more difficult. And... We, I found that in particular in stage three when you're fighting against the the, the salamander dragon itself uh, and it it circles around you 
and you're trapped inside of, uh, you know, its tail, or, you know, in the coil that its tail makes, you're, it's a really tight space. Um, and this bot, or this game has, in my opinion, this game has some hitbox shenanigans going on anyway, because I found that there's no version of this game that doesn't have some hitbox tomfoolery happening at one point or another. There are definitely spots where it feels like you're not close to an obstacle or an enemy and you'll get hit. Other times where something might be overlapping a small portion of your sprite and you don't take damage or you don't get hit. Um, So that felt really tight and really uh, difficult to to get through. But honestly, it wasn't. And I don't know if it was just because Cork and I worked so well together when we did that particular fight, or if it's because there's a little bit of a, a little bit of play with there in terms of the hitbox. But in a lot of situations, particularly in the area or the time leading up to that, through all the, the flames... Uh, you know, it's difficult to position yourself correctly so that you don't get hit by stuff. And very easy to bump the other player down into the into the corona and into the flames. Or for one person to move up a little bit and then bump the other into either the flames coming out of the top or one of those uh, phoenixes or... or um, flaming meteor things that shoot out at you. So you really you really have to coordinate very well. And I feel as though if you're gonna play this two player, you gotta be in sync with your partner in in tackling this game in two player mode because it is it is more difficult in my opinion to play two player than it is single player. So just we know that, that the, going in. We call that the Battletoads effect. On there, if you've anyone yeah. who's ever played Battletoads two player will know that if the second player loses, or let's say even the first player, one of the players loses all their lives, and if you press start on the controller afterwards, you actually steal a life from the the player who's still alive. Right. Yeah, and I mean. You know, in like it is in some beat 'em ups where you can where you can turn on friendly fire and things like that, or or the ability to to harm your partner. You know, you can't do that in this game where you can't just shoot the other ship and destroy it. But that just that situation of not being able to occupy the same space makes the game more difficult, and it forces you to route it differently than you would in a single-player game, and also um, just treat your screen space differently. Plus the fact that you don't have extra power-ups means that in Stage 1, there is literally the one ripple laser at the beginning. That's all you get. So it's not until Stage 2 that you have the opportunity to also to have the other player get a laser of some kind. Uh, so it just it's interesting to think about how how Konami did that or why they did that with 
with uh, the power-ups and with the the ships being able to bump each other. It was an interesting choice. I'm not sure I would have made that choice, but it does make the game interesting in an odd way. The key word you're searching for, interesting or frustrating? Well, a little of both. I mean, it was certainly frustrating when we were trying to route through it and and play and, and, and beat the game. We ended up basically just credit feeding through it a couple of times just to, to sort of see and experience it. But yeah, I mean, it gets pretty bananas. So let's uh, let's take a minute and talk about the graphics. Well, I think I, you need to watch out for those bananas. Make sure the retro game bird doesn't steal them. <sighs> I think, generally speaking, this game is a marked improvement over the original Gradius in terms of the 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 graphics. Uh, now, I think. In some ways, as Konami continued to iterate on the game, they continued to improve it, but even just the original Salamander Arcade release, I think, was already an improvement over over the original uh, Gradius, just because it's more colorful, your ships are bigger, the, the ripple laser adds a little bit more interest... There's more going on in terms of variety of the stages. Uh, there's more background stuff going on. There is a bit of a detriment to that in the sense that in stage four of the original Salamander, uh, you get the effect of these, I don't know what you call them, these little chambers on the ground that will open up and release enemies that will come up from underneath of you and... If you're not taking out those those enemy generators, uh, they can easily not. It's not like they're spawning on top of you, but coming up from the bottom right. layer. It's not just Salamander plane. that has it, right? I mean, that, that's something that happens on when anytime you're dealing with enemies that are not on the same plane as you are. We, I know that uh, our type has some issues with that. Especially R Type Final Two, people got really confused at that certain stage, the stage oh, four, yes. where they're coming from the background. Yeah, it's a neat effect, but can three be or four. Yeah, but I, I think that Ray Force and the Ray Series on the way they did that with the lock on on the back, and Zero Ranger does a great job too of telling you where stuff is dealt with a lot of that. But stuff that's not in the same plane coming up above just doesn't work as well. I think that the Twimby series did a much better answer to Konami with that, and I think that things within the Gradius or uh, Salamander should stay on the same plane. I, I definitely agree. It's <clears throat> such a pain about to tell. Is this thing actually going to hit me? Where did it come from? And you're, I think they even mentioned that in the arcade version. It was still hard to deal with, so that's something that could be improved upon. I will yeah. say one of the best things that I was surprised at is it avoids the Mario 1 issue. Or more specifically, the Mario 1 Bowser boss issue. The biggest thing with 
Gradius, the original Gradius, is at the end of every stage, what did you fight? Well, except for last big, one, Big, big, big core. core, right? So, yeah. in, it's not a case of, uh, I'm sorry, Vic Viper, but our, our Gradius is in, our Bacterians in another castle situation. <laughs> it's it, The bosses are all unique. And, yeah. and they are all they you're not fighting the same boss over and over again. So you get a lot more visual flavor. Or even in the first one in Salamander where it's sort of a I I almost think that they were going with more of more of an influence of our type of them with this where they went uh S before they there was sort of a mechanical or biological taken over by a mechanical or some sort of cyborg. Is what I got from Salamander, where later on they tried to make it more of an or, a living organism, and I sort of like having the the Geiger type stuff within the. I, I like the R type aesthetic more more than going back to Life Force, where you're shooting your way through inner space, <laughs> the, the shmup here or Stu Goodbody. But it's I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you prefer the later aesthetic, or do you prefer the original one that was more uh, Geiger-esque? I don't know. I, I feel like this is another one of those cases where I feel like maybe Konami iterating on the formula changed it uh, and improved it, generally speaking, as they went along. The, the one exception to that, I will say, is the... Uh, the Tetran, which is the stage two boss, they you know it's a it's a mechanical thing, or you know a spaceship kind of thing. When they changed that for the Life Force Japanese release, they made it a biological entity. But I think it looks cool. But then they changed it to where the arms go the opposite direction, so it becomes much harder to shoot out the the shield segments that then protect the core and it takes way longer to take out that boss unless you've got enough options to where you can uh, sneak him in there and, and take out the boss. So it's it was kind of a... That was a little bit of a misstep. Uh, but I kind of like the whole blue acid sort of vibe going on in the, in the flame stage. And so... I sort of like the way that they iterated on it every time and changed a few things up and and made the game more and more biological focused as they went along. But I do kind of like the whole uh, in stage two of Life Force where it says uh, kidney stones cannot be destroyed. <laughs> you know, when you it looks like all these big space rocks or or asteroids or whatever coming at you, but no, they're kidney stones. <laughs> They could have been Pop Rocks, too. <laughs> Pop Rocks. <laughs> but no, I, I I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, and I do like the blue flames on there. I mean, that, that's what happens when you ha- add some ghost pepper to your Tex-Maxium. You get blue flames. Oh, yeah. But it, it's it, it's definitely different, and it's worth exploring all three. But I, the biggest problem for me within... The changes that they made of the life force is putting back in that Gradius power system. I prefer just getting everything up front. It makes the game a lot easier. So sticking either with the original Japanese release or sticking with the American release of Life Force in the arcade version. That is, right. 
that's that's the versions I like the most because they 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 have everything pretty well balanced. It, you, some of the changes were neat, but they don't make up for the playability. Right. Yeah, but I think strictly speaking, strictly visually, I think maybe Life Force Japan is the best, the 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 most fully realized version of what they were going for. Um, but I would tend to agree yeah. that the original Salamander or Life Force uh, North American release is uh, probably the best the best playing experience. Yeah, if we're talking visually, yeah, I could definitely see it, but I think it comes at the cost of the playability. Too much for me. But it, it's definitely neat, and the, they also changed the backgrounds. Was it the the second version of Life Force on there, the Japanese one, or was it just Life Force in Japan where they added on that cell structure so it wasn't sort of like a Starfield or a black background? <clears throat> yeah, they... Uh... They started that with the Life Force North American release, where they changed the Starfield backgrounds to be more of that membrane look. But they they iterated on that further uh, with the uh, Life Force in Japan, and just tied it all together even more closely. You know that that stage gave me, or that membrane look gave me flashbacks to uh, Stage Five of Image Fight. Oh, sure. Yeah, very similar. Yep. And, you know, I also have to say, speaking of flashback and stuff in here, the sound was incredible. No matter what version you have, the soundtrack is amazing. It's done oh, by the yeah. same, same lady who authored the original Gradius soundtrack. Yeah, and I... I I don't know what it is. I, I've heard other versions of these songs. Uh, I know that uh, the Otomedius games have remixed uh, or, you know, had new versions of a couple of these tracks that were really good. But this soundtrack, I really like it. And the arcade version, it the interesting thing is it has such a bright, upbeat kind of hopeful tone to it which is odd considering the the uh what's the word i'm looking for the subject the, matter yeah i get you I, well the but, subject matter and, and yeah the overall tone of the game but you I, know I, feel like, uh, I have to say the so I was just thinking that, that it could be, you know, how everyone's putting uh, fake names in there so that way the other companies wouldn't purge talent. You saw a lot of Capcom games, uh, Yuki-chan's Yuki Papa and stuff like that. I was just thinking that was somebody's name for their Ma and Pa Deltoid in the credits. Oh, yeah. For was going there, but it is... Or it could be the the, the name of a um, uh, of a cover band. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Oh, but as as far as things go, I think back to Gradius, and Gradius was still pretty bubbly and still pretty upbeat, right? Right for what it was. So I, I don't think that they would have anything dark that would be there. And I can't think of anything that would. I mean, outside of all the Gradius games, I can't think of any tunes that are darker for boating or anything like that. Can you? 
Uh, not necessarily dark or foreboding. I just think this game in particular has a a distinctly bright and I won't say cheery, but hopeful or triumphant is a word that I used a couple of times in my streams. Um, and yeah, the soundtrack really does it for me. Uh, one thing I wanted to note was in stage three, the bass line in the stage three track, the, the flame level, reminds me a lot of the main melody line uh, from the song Popcorn. That was kind of an instrumental hit in the 70s. And uh, I remember that distinctly because my my dad has that uh, that 45, and my younger brother and I used to listen to that all the time growing up. And so I was very familiar with that tune and how it went. And so every time I would play and be in stage three and I would hear that it would just kind of take me back and uh, make me think of, of that and I so I really dig that about the stage three track yeah I was trying to th think in some ways it sounds a little bit like uh, ELO oh in sure some ways that they're going for that or you got that prog rock feel to it which, which is, is pretty neat I mean it's a lot that you can get out of there isn't there well, it's funny that you mentioned it was sort of bombastic, or maybe you mentioned cheerful. I was wondering if there's a, I think there is a like a big band version of the Gradius music. I think that well, there actually is one. Of yeah, I don't know about big band. I know there's a there's a pair of albums that came out in Japan. Uh, they're classical music interpretations of Gradius music. Uh, I don't know about Big Band. That would be interesting. Uh, maybe it's Nintendo. I'm just getting things confused. But it's uh, still printed. Uh, and heck, I, I can't probably count the number of times that a Gradius or a Salamander or Nemesis song has been remixed in some sort of um, dubstep or, or uh, electronic music. Yeah. Yeah, and the soundtrack, I, I would love to get a, a vinyl version of the Salamander Arcade soundtrack. Uh, we already got the, we already got the Life Force NES soundtrack that came through uh, Ship to Shore Records last year, or the year before, and that's great. Because the NES soundtrack is pretty good. And of course I've got that Konami Arcade Shooting uh, Collection bo CD box set that has the Salamander soundtrack on it. Uh, the arcade version. But I would love to see just a, a standalone vinyl release of the Salamander, maybe the Salamander 1 and 2, uh, you know, arcade soundtracks. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Here, I. It's sort of funny because I've been seeing a lot more uh, cassette releases lately. I usually, get vinyl. It seems to be just a given at this point, which is funny thinking that we're in 2022 that vinyls made such a comeback. It, it it's neat, but I'm seeing a lot more stuff coming back into cassette in Japan. 
Yeah, I, don't know if I am it's that too. Fat or if that's we're gonna, we're gonna see that again. Well, either way, I I don't care. Honestly, I don't care if it's on eight track. Give me the uh, <laughs> soundtrack for Salamander. Right. So you know this this the scoring um, system on here for the most part is pretty basic. I, I think that they covered it pretty well in SDG Weekly. It's a was pretty much shoot stuff, get points. Yeah, I, I think that's about as far as you get on here. One of the interesting things that you can do in the NES or Famicom version is they do have extra lives that you can get, which add a lot to the points. But that's specific oh. to that version. Yeah, and I noticed when I'm playing, when I was playing through on the Saturn and the arcade version, in stage one, after you get past the teeth and you go into that section where you kind of shoot out the membrane or the webbing or whatever. As you're going along, you've got all these big pink nodules. Uh, I don't even really know what you call them, but those things are worth a lot of points. And if you've if you've taken out most of the enemies up to that point, um, and then you go through and you can destroy all of those nodules, by the time you get to the boss or beat the boss, you can have you can have racked up a score of two hundred thousand points or better. So if you're looking to play for score, that is uh, definitely a must. Uh, a must strategy is to make sure that you power up enough to destroy all of those things, uh, because that is the best way to to boost your score way up. Plus, that'll that'll make sure that you get to uh, your first extend pretty quickly. You know, thinking about this overall, I'm wonder if Salamander or Life Force is Konami's homage to our type or their take on it. I, I, I'm really curious to see if, or hear if that affected them at all on the development of this game. Well, see, and I want to say it probably didn't because, um, because Salamander technically came out before our type oh when was our type i thought our type was like 85 maybe i'm wrong on that no our type was 87 oh so yeah so i mean it's possible that you know i know that i know that our irem developed our type as a response to gradius but you wonder if during the development of our type if someone or multiple people from IREM may have also played Salamander and may have been marginally influenced by that sort of biological component. You know, it's sort of funny because a lot of the, there's a lot of that type of influence in one-upmanship and whenever his Gradius itself was sort of a, uh, take or developed in response to Xevious. Right. So, yeah, it makes you wonder how much a lot of this stuff was just everybody pulling ideas and it was an exciting time and things were flying around and it's certainly possible and I, I, I would say that 
maybe a little bit more exciting than what we have now. I mean, there's certainly a lot of shmups coming out, and the indie scene is definitely where we see a lot of the innovation, but nothing like this, where things were just being tried all over the place, and people were trying stuff. Nowadays, you know, you get a finger that comes out and shoots stuff, and nobody bats an eye. But, and don't get me wrong, I'm, th I'm thankful for all the indulging developers and all the crazy stuff that people try because I've enjoyed I think that's where I get most of the enjoyment out of STGs but what a time to be involved in this to try new stuff on here it just where things get a lot more ability to be surprising to you and new you know, going from horizontal to vertical to, so that must have been a sight to see I mean, even on the NES, it was impressive when, when I rented Life Force. But to be in the arcades and to experience this, what a time. Yeah, uh, this, I mean, it was innovative and it was interesting and it was impressive graphically in terms of audio. And it took gameplay elements that at that point we're still relatively fresh, but because of the association of Gradius from the previous year, for anyone who played Gradius, there was a level of familiarity there without being, like I said earlier, without being just another Gradius game. It was a way to take that existing uh, template they had built and build on top of that while also flipping the script a little bit and I think generally speaking they were successful in doing that and it's interesting then that after this they decided to go back to the original Gradius formula again with a proper Gradius sequel um, now of course they improved upon the original a lot I would say with Gradius 2 and uh, expanded upon the original ideas in some pretty cool ways. But this really was in, in, in some way of, uh, I guess in thinking about it in a certain way, this is sort of Konami throwing stuff at the wall to see what will stick. But, they did it with such aplomb at the time that even though you kind of can see that that's what they were doing, it doesn't necessarily feel like that. Uh, and so I think they pulled it off enough that it doesn't really matter if that's what they were doing, because at the end of the day, it's it still turned out to be another excellent game that just continued to move the genre forward and innovate yeah I think mom Paul deltoid should be proud absolutely they should so now that we've given our thoughts let's move on to the thoughts of the RF generation community we'll start off with mini console man I'll be joining this month I'll be playing along on switch with the Konami Arcade Classics Collection, which I believe does include both Life Force and Salamander. Well, I definitely gave Life Force a shot this month, even though I knew it was going to be rough. Stage 4 seemed to be my sticking point towards the end of the month. 
I do appreciate the fact that such an early game had both horizontal and vertical stages. The boss designs are great, and I liked how each of the stages had its own theme, or it seemed in the first four stages I saw. I'd say Autofire is a must for these early Konami games. I'm glad the Konami Arcade Classics collection included. I have to say that I appreciate you along with us in Stage Four. It's not just it's not just you. <laughs> it is the Stage Four, and especially the boss of Stage Four, has been many a run killer. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, you have to be really... There's a little trick to it. You have to position the options correctly in order to shoot correctly. Otherwise, the other things will just bounce all over you and be too busy dodging everything and be hit by something you didn't see coming from behind. Yeah, Stage 4 was a run killer for me many times. Uh, Corkman joined in and said, I'm in this month as well. I'm starting with the Saturn version. Got to Stage 3, but need to learn the fire arcs. Wow, the Gradius Syndrome is strong with this one. Uh, is this one I just have to shoot for a no-death run? Uh, then <laughs> later in the in the thread, Corkman said, uh, I've been playing more of the Saturn version. I figured out the flame circles in Stage 3 and have a decent strategy in Stage 4 going, but haven't mastered it yet. Uh... I'm with Zoido. I tried the PC Engine version, and it looks similar, but plays differently. For example, the teeth in the first level are more dangerous, and the Stage 1 boss can shoot a bullet or two from those arms. I don't care for the checkpoint either. I also tried the Sharp X68000 version on an emulator on the Pi. That was interesting. It feels and plays pretty close to the arcade or Saturn version. However, there is much more slowdown. It seems like it's really struggling to run the game. The music is a little different, and the sound effects are really strange sometimes. <clears throat> I know some of these issues might be due to the emulator, but I really couldn't tell you. Also, you get five lives with one credit in this version for some reason. At the very least, I'll take the top score crown for the X68000 version now with 413,500 points. Thank you very much. Congratulations, I got the crown. <laughs> The Sharp X68000 is something I may go back and try, even though I know it's got the soda. And it's just so curious on anything that's ported to that system. Or I can yeah. even Japanese PCs in general. It's a different world that we see there. Because the, the console ports, for the most part, you're getting the the same thing. For the most part. But anything you get on any of the Japanese... Even the MSX or you know the Amstrad or any you know, the micro consoles... Or not micro uh, microcomputers. There, you just get wildly different things on there, and some of them are hilarious, and some of them are absolutely horrendous. But it, <laughs> it's still fascinating, even if it's a train wreck. It's still fun to watch. Yep. All right, our next comment comes to us from Zoido. I'm still not the biggest Gradius fan, and the same goes for Salamander. But I'll try and post some scores anyways later. I played a few runs of Salamander on the PC Engine version and on the arcade version on PS4 Arcade Archives, so I at least don't have to struggle with Gradius power-up bar. I made it to the Stage 4 boss yesterday, but the fight ended in confusion and became too many blue bubbles. Yeah, we talked about that, where you you have to know a trick on there, which sort of sucks. I, I, I mean, 
I get where this is done, and this isn't the only game that does it, where you sort of have to use your options and sort of cheese things. But it should really come down to skill, not not that you know a trick. Right. I also played the PC Engine version on beginner difficulty, but the enemy patterns are a bit different, and it's very generous with lives. But the checkpoint system kills the flow of it for me, so I guess I'll stick with the Japanese arcade version. Yeah, the checkpoint version. Uh, I don't think that's a hardware limitation on the PC Engine, so I don't know why that decision was made. Right. I didn't make it past the second boss yet, because powering up after a checkpoint can be tricky sometimes. Yep. Agree. Good job, Mini Console Man. I totally agree with you about the autofire. It's very helpful to have autofire for both shots and missiles on one button. I'll definitely agree on that one. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to beat my score at the end of the month, even though I played almost daily. That's exactly what frustrates me. I played nearly every day of the month, but I couldn't feel real progress happen, and even small successes felt like a lucky shot. Maybe I shouldn't expect too much progressing playing only short sessions. But as I said in the Discord before, most of my sessions ended with frustration after one or two runs with Game Over in Stage 1 or 2. I had fun playing the game until I got hit and quickly turned into a struggle trying to power up, which resulted in Game Over quickly. Luckily, Salamander Arcade has no checkpoints and gives you the possibility to at least pick up your options after responding if you're fast enough. Also, the regular power-up system makes recovering a bit less stressful. Anyway, that wasn't enough to keep me mode for more than 15 minutes per day. So, I guess Gradius games still just aren't my cup of tea. Regarding the original Gradius, I appreciate that Konami tried to change some things in design with Salamander. I prefer the regular power-up system over the power-up bar, and the mix of vertical and horizontal stages works great. Note here, I really like to see that more often in shooting games. Also, the soundtrack is awesome, as in most of the classic Konami games. And one last thing, the escape section right after the final boss is pure evil. <sighs> if I would make it this far in the game and die suddenly, I would almost self-ignite in anger. <sighs> yeah, it's memorization, heavily memorization. Well, it's par for the course, and I get it. It's still... I don't, it felt like the entire time the game go, goes and tells you to turn right and turn, go up. Go up in here, it just goes, good luck. Right. Uh, and finally, we've got Easy Racer, who said, Playing on the NES casually. Man, I forgot how brutal this game is. I think the worst part might be the happy-go-lucky music that plays when you get a game over. <laughs> In seriousness, gotta say I love the final, uh, the first phase of the level two boss, one of my favorite shoot 'em up boss fights. So thank you everyone for participating and for your comments and uh, sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you to everyone who participated and everyone who shared their thoughts. We really do appreciate it. And even if it isn't your cup of tea, like Zoido on there, we've always got something coming right around the corner. That's right. So, taking a look at the scores, um, Corkman, as mentioned before, by default won the uh, top 
top score for the X68000 version, uh, being the only person who submitted with 413,500 points. Uh, in the uh, arcade category, Zoido actually took the top spot, uh, I'm going to say, in, in playing the Arcade Archives version with 448,100 points. And also uh, the top score on the PC Engine version with 436,500 points. And I broke out the Saturn version um, because, as we mentioned before, the Saturn version seems to default to a slightly lower or tweaked difficulty, and it's a little bit easier than the, the standard arcade version. So I ended up with a score of 667,200 points on the Saturn version. And um, so I feel like I can't really lump that in with the the arcade version or arcade archives because it's just different enough that it makes a difference. And uh, so I don't feel like it's fair to compare them apples to apples. So final thoughts. Final thoughts, the naming is confusing as all heck on this game, but it's <laughs> certainly a good game, and it, it's one that I would definitely come back to. I, I don't find it nearly as frustrating as Gradius 3, or heck, even, even the original Gradius. I, I, I like this in the format. I, I think there's enough variance there in the way that they approach this, and... I'm looking forward to the time when we play Salamander 2 to get an idea on what they've iterated upon. It's, you know, I, I'm trying to think. I don't think that there's that many SDGs that sort of follow the biological path. I know R-Type does, but I'm trying to think of anything else that would. Yeah, I mean, there are a few things like Abadox. Um, or biohazard battle has some weird yeah. things like that, but yeah, X, it's X multiply. Yeah, Irem. I don't know what Irem had about uh, biological uh, <laughs> issues there. <laughs> right. But it's yeah. I'm trying to think of um, Dar. Well, Darwin sort of was that way too, I guess. Kind of. Kind of yeah, but it, it, it's sort of unique. And I, I think that for anyone who grew up in it, this game is sort of ingrained into what you played. I mean, most people, if you mentioned the NES, I think Life Force or Gradius would show up on their, let's say, at least top 25 list. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I didn't really have that much experience with the NES version as a kid. Uh, I think because I don't remember any of my friends having a copy, so I probably only played it once or twice. Going back to it now, I don't, I don't find that I am pulled toward the NES version because I don't have the nostalgia for it. And uh, I actually was quite enjoying the Saturn version, and I, I was able to get far enough in that that I think if I put a little bit more time into it, I could probably achieve a first loop clear of at least the Saturn port of the arcade version. The The actual arcade archives is just a little bit more difficult, so I would have to, I would have to 
play that a little bit extra and um, learn a few of the slight changes there in order to to get further in that. But at the end of the day, I think I can probably get a solid first loop clear of the Saturn or arcade version. And, yeah, uh, that's something I, that we should make note of is this is an achievable 1cc for most people. You're not going to need to learn huge amounts of routing and stuff. So if you want to start with a 1cc, this is a good place to start. Yeah, particularly if you're looking at arcade games, uh, I think this is pretty doable. There's definitely a couple of cheap moments and a couple of spots where you're you're going to need to anticipate certain things or you're going to need to know that there are certain events coming up. But outside of that, uh, I think it's pretty pretty doable. And uh, so I may, I may leave this one in the Saturn so I can kind of go back to it here and, and uh, play with it a little bit more and see if I can, uh, if I can eke out that, that clear. Good luck. Thanks. All right. So let's talk. As we record this, it is March slash April. You know, well, I guess it's March. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk about what's coming next. For April 22, we have everybody's favorite debate simulator for the Neo Geo Viewpoint. And it also came out on the Genesis, the PS1, and the Neo Geo CD. Yeah. I was surprised to see the PS1 version of it. it was published by Electronics Arts. Yeah. Yeah, the PS1 version is uh, is an interesting take. So that'll be... That'll be a... Uh, That'll be an odd discussion, I think. <laughs> uh, microtransactions. You get your, yeah. your, your, your team, your viewpoint team starter pack. Not quite that bad, but yeah. Loot boxes, NFTs, DLC. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And in May, we... we we head back for some more sushi sashimi with G. Darius. Yes. Are we going to count the G. Darius HD in this? We are, yes. Um, because, of course, G. Darius came out in the arcade and then received a port on the PlayStation 1. But, more recently, M2 has done the G. Darius HD, which came out in the Darius Cosmic of Revelation but has also received a standalone uh, digital and physical release on Switch and PS4, and now has recently been added to Steam uh, so that PC players can join it as well. We seem to time these things very serendipitously, uh, because at the time that we put our list together for this year, there was no, there was no inkling that there was going to be a PC version. And here we are, uh, just a couple three weeks out from when the PC version released on Steam. So it's great timing uh, for when we do May that hopefully then uh, not only is the game out, but then that should also mean that the uh, 
Darius version 2 updates and DLC should be out, so then, uh, then that should be available for us to try as well. Yeah, and it's on sale for 25 bucks for physical copy, uh, U.S. physical copy, I should say, for Amazon right now. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, uh, definitely, uh, definitely a good deal, and much cheaper than a uh, an original PlayStation copy. That's for sure. Yeah, and then there's a storm on the horizon. There's a storm of lightning as we kick off the summer of Raiden. Yes, summer of Raiden. So yeah, in June, we are going to be starting a three-month stretch where we are going to be concentrating on only Raiden games. Uh, so Circuit June and Coffee be- for All. Yeah, so we'll be we'll be kicking off uh, June with the original Raiden. Uh, and so stay tuned to hear more about that and to uh, see what we're going to have for you through that uh, through the Summer of Raiden event. Yeah, we may even be able to get Chunks to make an appearance. All right, and speaking of Chunks, I want to say a shout-out to... Joel of the Pandemicade, also known as DJ Cycle M1. He's got a Twitch channel where he plays all sorts of shmups and, in some cases, all sorts of weird things that he, he imports. But it's always entertaining, and you know who, who better to do it with than a uh, cat that cat that only obeys his stomach, <laughs> Lord Chonks. <laughs> I'd like to also thank Ed of Studio Muttprints, Bullet Heaven, for the logo and for all the support he provides and the uh, moral support of showing us that we too can beat Area 88. Maybe not one-handed, but we can beat it. Yes. I'd like to thank Kogusu for the intro and outro music, everyone from the RF Generation Playcast and CollectorCast, and I'm certain that they would like to let us know that we all should be playing some more Elden Ring. <laughs> and I would like to thank Metalfro and uh, his parrot dogs for uh, keeping us entertained with his streaming. Yeah. Well, and I, I appreciate folks who come out to the, to the streams and give me encouragement because uh, occasionally as I grind through the shmups uh, during the course of the month... Uh, I get a little discouraged when, like Zoido mentioned, you know, I kind of, I sit and play for an hour and a half and feel like I don't make any progress. Or sometimes, as although I'm, I'm regressing. So it definitely helps to have a, a bit of an audience to come out and, and uh, say, hey, you can do it. You know, you got this. So that that's always nice to hear. Yeah, Misery Loves Company, is that what we're going for? Sure, that works. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a fun time, and it's always interesting to uh, hear uh, sort of sayings. Maybe one day you you can get to Ed level and say, "Get out of here! Nobody likes you." <laughs> you lose. Right. Uh, that's right. You may All have right. to go full shmup for that. Full shmup, yeah. Well, I tr- I've tried not to go full shmup. 
Um, anything else that we need to yes, talk I, about? Yes, I'd like to thank we... everybody for listening. And for anybody who's made it this far, wow, you're really dedicated. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we, we do appreciate it. Um, you know, it, we've been doing this now for a while. I mean, we started in 2018, and uh, we're not quite to the four-year mark of, of running the podcast yet, but we're, we're uh, approaching that. So kind of as we finish up the summer of writing, uh, we'll be... We'll be just about to hit that four-year mark, and uh, you put up with it, me for four years. Well, thank you. Well, I could say the same. I mean, right back at you. Um, but you no, put thank up with you, my every- scat for four years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we really do appreciate everyone for listening and for. Uh, you know, retweeting when I put up new episodes and, and put the announcement out there and and uh, occasional messages on the Discord that we'll get about uh, the episodes or, uh, you know, when DJ Psycho M1 mentions on his streams, you know, mentions the podcast and tells people to go listen to it. It's It all just, it all just, you know, feels pretty good and, and like, uh, like we're... Uh, we're not just talking into the void and putting our opinions out there that, you know, it feels like people are actually listening, which is always nice. So with that, we will say thank you all for listening and we will catch you next time. your taco tuesday night bland well you should look into spicing up your taco tuesday with tex maxim guaranteed to put the yeehaw back into your tacos